we've got another good one for you here. And this one is a little bit different. We actually push into a topic that we talked quite a bit about here on the podcast, which is mental health and emotional health. But in the lens of leadership, in the lens of sabbatical, even in the lens of rest and replenishment, we've got a good friend of mine and a good friend of Stay Forth, Dr. Mark Mayfield on the podcast today. And Mark has a very unique vantage on mental health. He has served as a leader of an organization. He served as a pastor in his past. And he also helps leaders, very high capacity leaders across the country, process mental health um, as a counselor, but he's also a coach. So he does both of those. And Mark's a friend of mine, a guy who I deeply trust and is really shaping a lot of leaders right now in them thinking about how they can be holistically healthy. That's a big term today. And we're going to kind of break that down. What do we mean by the word whole? being whole. Now, he wrote his first book called The Path Out of Loneliness, and his second book we're talking about here today that just released called The Path to Wholeness. So, Out of Loneliness, the first book, you can go back and listen to our first podcast episode on that, but we're talking about wholeness. What is that path away from fragmentation and into wholeness? We have this grid for leadership straight from Scripture. Now, loving the Lord our God with all, our, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then, of course, loving God, loving others. And so we talk about the big five of heart, soul, mind, body, and relationships. We're going to cover a little bit of those today. Honestly, we just scratched the surface. So I want to highly encourage you this summer to pick up Mark's book, The Path to Wholeness. We're talking about naming emotions below the surface, why that is powerful, and many times why we neglect that as leaders. And I will put my hand up as one who has neglected that and often neglects that pushing through to the next idea, the next project, the next good thing in the name of leadership or in the name of God or in the name of service or in the name of you know what, um, the next thing that's pressing. However, we need to pause. We need to pay attention to what we pay attention to. And this is a topic that I just don't believe we can focus too much on. We're talking about wholeness. We're talking about the emotions below the surface that often get neglected. This is my conversation with my friend, Dr. Mark Mayfield. Dr. Mark Mayfield. Welcome back, man. Hey, thank you. One of my favorite people to talk to. And this is a timely book again. Uh, and before we talk about uh, your new book and we kind of tee that up, we want to go back and hear just a little bit of loneliness uh, was the last topic that you wrote on. And why was that your starting spot for these two books? Uh, kind of accidental. Um, I, you know, the, the publisher that has published these both, both these books, their, uh, acquisition editor wanted me to write a book on suicide. And I said, probably not going to do well for you in the way that you think it is. And so I've been wrestling kind of with more of the root causes of mental and emotional distress. And that is loneliness. And we're seeing that actually, uh, just be so true even now, you know, seeing, our Surgeon General Vivek Murthy talk about the fact that we are in a loneliness epidemic and a mental health crisis. And I really do believe it comes back to, uh, you know, a disconnection and loneliness. Uh, and that uh, you know, is a ripple effect for mind, body and spirit uh, health. 
Yeah. So that's the path out of loneliness. Here we are talking about wholeness. Give us a quick definition of wholeness. I want to make sure we're on the same path here. Yeah. I mean, the way I look at wholeness is, is everything is mind, body, spirit. So our mental, emotional, physical, relational, um, spiritual, uh, components of ourself are congruent with each other in uh, moving in the same direction. And I think a lot of times uh, we think wholeness means he- totally healed. But in my mind, wholeness means on the right path okay. um, and, and congruence among those, those uh, components. And I think a lot of times we are uh, fragmented people. Uh, you know, we might be good in our physical health, but our emotional health is not good. And, we think that we're okay, but you know, if our emotional health is not good, our physical health is not going to be good. Even if we're running marathons, right? There's, there's aspects of that. So it's this idea of, of congruence going, okay, my, my physical health is great. My emotional health is not, but I now recognize that and understand that. And I'm working towards health and wholeness. Uh, and so I think it's this idea that we are honest uh, and kind of where we're at in those areas versus what I talk about a lot in the book about numbing, avoiding, hiding, uh, pretending, those types of things. And I know you do coaching and counseling, and there's Mm -hmm. some overlap and a lot of difference in those two spaces, but uh, there's a lot of naming work in both of Mm -hmm. those. And I know that naming emotions is a focus here in the book, and it's super challenging, um, but Mm -hmm. it's a great place to start. So what would you say to somebody listening that says, I don't even know what I'm feeling? Well, I think we have to understand that we, so you, it's interesting. I'm glad you did this. I don't know if you know you did this on purpose, but you used feelings and emotions in that same sentence just now. And I think a lot of times uh, we think that they're the same thing and they're not. So I think the biggest thing is to recognize that emotions are our physiological responses to internal or external stimuli. So it's just our body's way of going, Hey, something's happening here and it could be easy positive, you know, uh, or it could be difficult and go in the wrong direction. Right. So, uh, and so that's an emotion. So paying attention to that is important. What is our body doing? But then a a feeling is the meaning making we had developed based off of that emotion. And the meaning making is based off of our own observations and experiences and language. And so, uh, I was doing this, I had this conversation with a, a very large church a couple of weeks ago. And I said, okay, uh, how many of you have a definition for sad? And, you know, all of them raised their hands, of course. And I said, okay, uh, if I were to have you write down your definition of sad, do you think we'd have anybody that had the same exact definition in this room? And they started looking at like, oh, and I said, so, you know, our experience of that emotion, our body's response, and then the language we put to it based off of our experiences and observation are going to be unique to us. And so for many, many years, we think that we, as a fan, like as a, as a dad, let's say it's hanging fruit for both of us, right? As a dad, we're talking to our kids about being sad. And we have this contextual understanding of what that is. And then they have this contextual understanding of what it is. And if we don't shorten the gap and and define it for each other, now we're speaking two different languages. Mm. And now we're communicating. And so I think the idea of naming, so you're back to your question of naming these things, we've just got to have to start. Like the, the, the big five 
Paul Ekman, mad, sad, glad, fear, and disgust. Do we have a definition for those? And if we do, great. But have we communicated those to those in our household? Does our wife or husband know how we experience those or our kids know so that when we're communicating emotional language, are we on the same page? And I, I find this time and time again in coaching and counseling relationships that that is the catalyst for distress in the household as we think we're speaking the same emotional language or speaking the same language in general and we're not. Mm. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good word. I'm even thinking about with coaching clients. Um, I may be thinking one thing and they may be thinking another, we're using the same language and, you know, of course, words shape worlds and that's huge mm -hmm. in culture. Um, yeah. Within that. So organizations, I'm always going to take the conversation to leadership. You know that yep, and leaders that. uniquely. So talking about fragmentation, what are a couple of the unique flavors of that that you see in, you know, hard charging, high capacity leaders? Well, I think uh, a lot of it has to do with their ability and willingness to be vulnerable. Um, and I know that's a big word that scares a lot of people, right? And, and, and you know, the the true definition of vulnerability is is positioning or posturing yourself. So posturing yourself to be attacked potentially, you know, physically or emotionally. And, you know, and most leaders, most people will be like, there is no way on God's green earth that I'm going to posture myself vulnerably. Why would I do that? Well, the, the interesting thing is that if you don't, then you actually don't allow yourself the ability to connect emotionally uh, or relationally with people either, right? So it's just kind of this catch-22 that if I am not vulnerable, now I'm protecting myself, but I'm also affecting the culture of, of my team in a way that is not accessible emotionally, relationally, mentally, you know, spiritually, emotionally, all that kind of stuff. But if I take the stance and, and posture myself, you know, and I'm not, you know, I think people understand this too. When you posture yourself from a position of vulnerability or a posture of vulnerability, it's not that you're not having boundaries either, right? They go hand in hand. Totally. But it's this idea that when we do posture ourselves in a vulnerable manner, and let's say, you know, I, I share a big example in the book about kind of the implosion of my leadership, you know, three years ago uh, when I was in Colorado. And the fact that I thought I had to keep it all together and I didn't posture myself from a vulnerable stance and it ended up, you know, almost ruining a really good thing. Um, and so it's this idea of, of um, I should have said, so for example, I should have said, you know, no, the company is not doing great right now. And, and here's what we're doing to figure it out. And yes, I am, I'm stressed, I'm scared. And I've got this person in my life that's speaking into it. And I've got this person and this person and you all as my staff could ask questions and maybe you've got great ideas. I didn't do that. I didn't posture myself in that way saying, Hey, no, I don't have it all figured out. I postured myself in a way that was like, Nope, I got it. Everything's good. And then when everything wasn't good, it was like a uh, bomb dropped. Right. So mm -hmm. if I would have postured myself in a, in a vulnerable way and just kind of owned kind of where I was at, uh, you know, people might have left still. Some of them might have left still, but others would have been like, okay, like what we're feeling lines up to what's happening. Yeah, that catch 22 you're talking about, I, I see it all the time with leaders. And of course, I mean, I feel it myself. The idea of mm. would I rather be canceled over here or would I rather connect? over here and we're naturally going to head toward this it's not like this is theoretical we see this happen a bunch right yeah. one comment um pushed out of a community 
or, you know, whatever, looking for a job the next day. So this is a real issue. And uh, that's what we do here on this podcast. We talk about real issues. You're writing into really, uh, of course, you know, timeless, but really timely issues right now. Uh, and Mark, I'm just so grateful for, for your work. And again, bridging the gap between coaching and counseling, there are not many that are there in that space. Talk a little bit about the difference. The difference between coaching and counseling, I probably get that question, I don't know, twice mm-hmm. a week. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, and I, you know, I'm still I'm still teasing it out, but when I work with so you know, in Texas, licensed as a therapist in Texas, so I can see clients, you know, Texas is huge, so I can see clients all over the state of Texas via Zoom. Um, but then I get a lot of phone calls too of people outside of Texas that think they want counseling. And so, uh, I just ask questions and I, you know, the question I ask is, do you need help moving forward from where you're at? Do you need to have somebody to help you draw out the giftings and the, and, the, and who you are? Uh, albeit we might be wrestling with some things, you know, self-talk and shame and, and, and those kinds of things and how we operate. Uh, or do you need to work through some significant issues from your past childhood trauma um, divorce, you know, that kind of stuff, or are you currently going through divorce or, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. If, if you're currently going through something big like divorce, or you've got some, some addictive, uh, you know, uh, issues, uh, or you've got some pretty big, um, mountains to, to tear down in your past from a trauma, traumatic, you know, or family, mom, dad things that's going to take counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, counseling is, is, uh, looking back so we can go forward. I think uh, coaching in my mind is realizing where I'm at and I'm stuck and I need help moving forward. I need help uh, drawing those, those gifting, those, those callings, those, those strengths and uh, out of me to move forward. Um, and it might be wrestling with a lot of the here and now, but in, in some, we might look back a little bit, but it's not going to be to the intent intensity or the, the uh, extent that we would as in counseling. And so I, I draw a line there when I work with clients. And so a lot of times we'll get into, you know, four or five sessions with coaching and I'm like, uh, time out. Like, uh, I, I could, and I would love to go with you in this direction, but from an ethical legal standpoint, I can't. Yep. And so, um, you know, uh, I want to just let you know, let's put a pause on this. And uh, if you want to continue down the road of coaching, here's the direction we go. If you need counseling, let's get on, let's, let's hop online and find you somebody. Yeah. I'm, I draw that same, that same line and we're looking back and if we hit something that we cannot move forward, um, I think without avoiding something or potentially even doing some damage, uh, I respect that line and uh, you know, I'll say it here again, guys, I'm a huge fan of counseling. I'm a huge fan of coaching. Uh, they're different. They are also amazing counselors and bad counselors. They're also amazing coaches and bad coaches. Um, and so I think it's, they're also ones that fit us and we have chemistry with and ones who don't. Um, but I'm a huge, a huge fan of not only what you're doing, but of that counseling space. And, um, you know, I had a 26 month counseling journey that was incredibly helpful for me. Um, I didn't realize Mark, how much of my kids, my adopted kids trauma, um, would really kind of seep into our family. And so that was a lot of what we were investing a lot of time. And that matters deeply to me. I've never met somebody, maybe, maybe you have, but I've never met somebody that sought good counseling 
that was doing the work that had good chemistry um, and said, this was a terrible investment of my time and money. Uh, you no. just don't, you don't hear that. No. I mean, I think the time that I hear, you know, the only time I ever hear that is if somebody's not willing to, to change or to engage. So yeah, no, I've never uh, heard somebody that was upset with their experience or their process. If they had that good chemistry and, and you know, saw that progress. Yeah, man, a couple of things I really want to dive a little bit deeper on fragmentation, wholeness. Uh, and then I actually want to talk about sabbatical as opportunity to pay attention um, to some of that fragmentation. So first of all, fragmented. Um, a leader probably doesn't come to you and, and say, Mark, I'm fragmented. Uh, Dr. Mark, help me to get you know whole and, and not be that way anymore. How could you tell what would be some markers of a leader who was fragmented? Well, um, I, I love, I mean, you're the same way. I love speaking, kind of you know, looking at it through from, from a metaphor standpoint in, in some ways as well. Um, but it's, it, think about it. If you're driving a, a car and, and I drive old cars just because I'm, I love the, the ability to try to get 200,000 miles. You know, mm -hmm. It's just kind it's of a, a challenge. From, <laughs> challenge, right? But um, my truck recently has been uh, slipping in transmission, right? So I'm, I'm you're know, driving along, you know, in first gear to second gear, you're like, oh, you know, it's great, no, nothing. You don't notice it, right? And and then, but when you know third gear hits, it's like, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, oh, yeah. like there's there's something wrong with that gear. There's a there's a chip, you know, chip there, or, or it's slipping. You know, it's not aligning right, or something like that. I think the same thing with, with fragmentation, we don't pay attention, you know, we're not paying attention to what's working well a lot of times. Right. And, and we need to be right. So we can replicate that. That's the beauty of coaching, right? We, we help people understand like what's working well for you and why is it working well? Let's like stop for a minute and think about that. But I think oftentimes too, we, we don't pay attention to what's not working well. And, and the fragmented pieces, those just like the gear and the transmission, it's that, that, something is just off a bit where it's it's catching or it's um it's not smooth you know i tell people talk a lot of, we talk a lot about rhythms and i tell people when you know uh, our tire on our car has rhythms you know if you listen to it when the windows roll down you're driving down the road it has this rhythm to it so when's the only time you pay attention to the tires on your car well, when they're flat so like our rhythms can be flat too. And so it's this idea of paying, you know, and so I think there's a lot of things that are out there that are, that are pointing to this and teaching us about our fragmentation, but it's, it's the idea of going, okay, you know, I might be doing super well in my role as a manager or leader at church or at, uh, at my job. Um, but my kids are in chaos. I don't know why my kids are in chaos. My kids are in chaos. I wish they would just listen. Well, you're not doing okay at work. At, at, you're not doing okay. At, you know, I would I would challenge you that you're not doing okay uh, at work. If you're if you're, your kids are not doing well, there's something that needs to be adjusted because maybe you're throwing yourself into work too much and you're not home enough to to manage that. Or you know you're at home too much and your work is falling apart. You know, so like there's there's a lot of these cues, but then we also look at um, you know a lot of times are are you sick? Well, I, you know, man, I had the cold this year. I've had the flu. I've had bronchitis. I've had pneumonia. But yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm like, no, you're not. Your body is telling you something. So, is that emotionally? Is that spiritually? Is that mentally? What's what's happening here? Because we know that if we're under stress, cortisol uh, release, 
and it's prolonged, it's going to deteriorate our immune system. And now our immune system can't fight off the, the common cold. I know I'm doing well if I haven't gotten sick this year. I haven't gotten sick this year at all. You know, flu season, no COVID, nothing. Like it's been, it's been great. I've been traveling a lot on airplanes, recycled air, you know. And I'm just like, that's for me a litmus test to kind of how am I doing? And if if I'm sick, then I'm paying attention to other things that I'm maybe not paying attention to, if that makes sense. So it's kind yeah. of a, a existential conversation, but it's like, look at what's doing going well and look at what's not going well. Uh, and it's going to lead you back to, I think, the, the core of what needs to be adjusted. Yeah. That's good. We talk um, just to kind of simplify. I think Jesus is great. It's pretty stinking good. Uh, heart, soul, mind, strength, or heart, soul, mind, body, and then relationships as kind mm -hmm. of a a quick indicator where you could say, you know, in which of these areas do you feel like you're thriving? And I'm always thriving somewhere. Every coaching client is always thriving somewhere, although we may think it's all falling apart. But then sometimes we overemphasize, oh, it's all broken, mm -hmm. and it's like no. Uh, my family right now is doing too much or I've been traveling too much. And then you look at the other side and then to ask, where am I struggling? And mm -hmm. to have that, and you know, the, the right side of journal, that's a question. We happen to be recording this on a Thursday. This will release on a Thursday. And those are questions that I ask myself as a check-in. So this yeah. may sound deeply mythical and, you know, I have to go to Dr. Mark or a counselor to do this. No, um, to be able mm -hmm. to check in. And what I would just want to invite you into leaders is pay attention to what you pay attention to. And I'm yeah. often quick to skip over heartbreak or disappointment or now just get over it and push through. And maybe that's the former athlete in me. And, and that's common of a lot of athletes is, no, you're just going to push through this. And no, we're not talking about some tiredness where you could push another half mile. Mm -hmm. We're talking about your heart hurts from disappointment and maybe mm -hmm. potentially abandonment there. So I just know for me, five, 10 minutes at a time has actually been where I get the most mm -hmm out of. Um, and that's actually what allowed me to see, no, I need to enter an actual counseling journey as opposed to um, just kind of hack this alone on my own. And so, but I think we can start there paying attention to what we pay yeah. attention to. And uh, of course, sabbatical, we have to talk about sabbatical here. About half my clients right now, Mark, are um, heading into sabbatical. It's kind of yeah. the season where people prepare um, for sabbatical. And we actually have a, a coach, shout out to Chad, who is completely focused on sabbatical coaching. That is 8, 10, 12, sometimes longer weeks to simply replenish. And uh, a big part of that is paying attention internally to what's going on. Speak to leaders who are heading into sabbatical right now as an opportunity to defragment and head in toward wholeness. What would you tell yeah. that leader? Well... A shameless plug, but uh, pick up the book because I, I've written the book to do that. I've written the book as a as a you know a read that somebody can go through. Uh, I actually uh, wrestled with uh, some individuals around the length of the book. I, I wanted the book to be a little bit shorter, so it could be a book that somebody could pick up in a sabbatical or on a vacation and begin to go through. And so, uh, I, I, it's a it's a process you know that I take people through in the book with questions for reflection. I have to in, chapter and then uh, some tangible tools to really wrestle with uh, our emotional intelligence and understanding and language. And so I think, uh, I think just being intentional about one or two things, that's it, that you want to get out of the sabbatical. Obviously, rest is one big one, right? Um, and so reorienting your rhythms towards rest, right? I tell people all the time in my coaching, 
how often is your phone on do not disturb throughout the week you know uh mine goes off at this six in the evening comes back on at eight in the morning it's completely off on the weekends um you know and so i think that's pretty disorienting for for leaders and pastors you know but to get into those rhythms but especially in sabbatical begin to implement and try things that you want to have that is going to sustain you and, and encourage you when you come back um but i will say this and this is just uh, just my observation over the years of coaching and counseling pastors and leaders is that uh, you need to tend to your emotional health um i think a lot of times we we don't feel like we have the time or don't have anybody to turn to or talk to and so we get to a place of burnout and we're not tending to our emotional health and so finding ways whether it be my book there's a lot of great books out untangling emotions is a great book anything about pete scazzaro is great you know there's there's a lot of great resources and tools out there but pick an aspect of your emotional health to to work on because it's not going to return void in any way shape or form mm, that's good you got that time you've got that space to be able to read and um, for another day, uh, but we could talk about how I think later in the sabbatical, we're actually able to tend to that because we've given ourselves the space. Our mind has stopped spinning. Our body has kind of gotten rid of a lot of the adrenaline um, that's been flowing through our veins and, and through our systems. Um, so great opportunity. This summer, I want to challenge you to pick up Mark's book. I haven't read it yet. I'm excited to pick it up. Um, and it, even to start with the path out of loneliness. And I like that path out of loneliness. And we're not just going to leave you there. I'm unlonely now as we find community, but then <laughs> this invitation into the deeper work, the path to wholeness. Mark, where can folks find you? And uh, once they pick up the book, how can they track along with what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, DrMayfield.com, DrMayfield.com is my website. Um, you know, our mutual friend and colleague is in charge of that. Jonathan Collier, shout out to him and all shout his out. work. Um, but uh, so I've got that. I got some resources on there. I've got a program that I take coaches and people through uh, called the 90 Day Leadership Reset. That's uh, pretty impactful from a cohort model. Um, but then uh, you know Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are found. And then you can follow me on social media at the Doctor Mayfield or the Doctor Mayfield uh, on both Facebook and Instagram. Mark, grateful for your friendship, grateful for both your counseling, your coaching, and absolutely your ministry of writing. These words are powerful and have the ability to change lives. But friends, it is time to do some internal work in this season. You're going to continue to do the external work. Do not neglect the internal work that needs to be done. Grateful for you, Mark. We'll have you back on the podcast, Thanks, man. Love it. Appreciate it. Focus so low.